Welcome to this final video class from the three epistles of John. We arrive this time at the third epistle, and I want to begin with a reading of third John. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Now let's go back and start at verse 1, where John, just as he did in Second John, refers to himself as the elder. And I will repeat my best conjecture that this is a reference to his age and experience, not office in a local church. He is writing this to the beloved Gaius. Several men named Gaius appear on the pages of the New Testament. There was a Gaius in Corinth, another man by the same name in Macedonia, Gaius of Derby who traveled with Paul on his last journey from Greece through Macedonia, at least as far as Troas. Some external secular sources suggest this Gaius of Derby was the man John was addressing in his third epistle. Settling that debate would not provide us with any greater insight into third John. John loved him in truth. John associated love with truth in each of these three epistles. Truth gives our love for each other objective, divine direction. Beloved, 
I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. John prayed that Gaius might prosper in a general way. He says that you may prosper in all things and be in health. This is a general wish or desire that a brother might have a pleasant existence. It is not a prayer for wealth or excess or being better than others. I think the New English Bible translates this in a helpful way, that all may go well with you. It is apparent things were going well for Gaius in his spiritual health. His soul was prospering. John's wish is that Gaius might enjoy generally a pleasant existence and that he might continue in all that is good and pleasing to God. There is biblical warrant here for desiring both the physical as well as the spiritual welfare of our brothers and sisters in Christ. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you were walking in the truth. Above general prosperity, John took great interest in spiritual prosperity. Gaius was a wealthy man in the spiritual sense, great spiritual riches he enjoyed through Jesus Christ. The truth was living in Gaius and active in his life. He was walking in the truth. This was reason for John to rejoice. I have no greater joy, John said, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This confirms what we just observed and that we observed in the previous letter, that while John desired for everybody to have a good life and have a good physical health, his greater concern was that they were walking in the truth. This gave great joy to the Apostle John. In verses 5 through 7, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. You may recall on Sunday when we came to Second John 10, the second epistle of John verse 10, we discussed something we call the threshold test. We must not help aid or give God's speed to deceivers, false teachers who have gone beyond the teaching of Christ. Well, here in 3 John, in the commended behavior of Gaius, there is the opposite, the right behavior to help aid and bid God's speed to faithful brethren, those who are living for his namesake. So in 2 John, the instruction is do not help those who are deceivers. In 3 John, the instruction is help those who are not deceivers, faithful children of God. An interesting expression here in verse 7, taking nothing from the Gentiles, or accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Let me explain 
what I think this probably refers to. When the gospel was taken to the heathen or the Gentiles, preachers did not immediately ask for support. They were extremely careful to avoid any impression of preaching for money, especially initially. They preached the gospel in virgin territory, asking nothing in return in their initial visit. This was Paul's practice as made clear by his testimony in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9. Now, it is the duty of local churches to support gospel preaching to the best of their ability. It is right for Christians to help gospel preachers, but when preachers take the gospel into virgin soil, there should be no demands immediately for support. People like Gaius helped those who took nothing from the Gentiles. We are at verse 8. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. We ought to do what Gaius did, becoming fellow workers for the truth as we help support and encourage those who live by and preach the truth of the gospel. Now we have before us <clears throat> in 3 John the good examples of Gaius and Demetrius, but there's a bad example. We are at verses 9 and 10. John said, I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So here is Diotrephes. To Bible students, just the name is associated with evil. An individual who asserts himself, who must be in control, who loves to have the preeminence. Now, John, in all three epistles, expresses warm affection and appreciation, commendation for good people. But John was courageous and bold here in his response to evil. The same boldness you observe in John directed to the Antichrist in the previous two epistles. That same boldness is stated here toward a man who was not spiritually minded, who had no regard for his brethren, and who resisted apostolic authority. This man sought the power to put people out of the local church. He was malicious, and John would not ignore that. So, that takes us now to verse 11, which is an excellent thematic statement. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. I think verse 11 deserves very careful attention. First, I would like for us to notice there is a definite prohibition here. Do not, do not imitate what is evil. God's word conveys to us promises of great blessing, warnings of danger, admonitions, accusations, examples, commands, and principles 
Also, there are prohibitions, statements where God tells us not to do something. A divine prohibition is not designed to punish us. To keep us from destructive attitudes and behavior. Prohibitions from God are for our positive good. Some are very specific. Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Other prohibitions are more general in nature like this one. Do not imitate what is evil. What does this mean? What does this imply and involve? Well, this means I need to learn what is evil. This means I need to keep my eyes open, be self-aware and watchful. This means first in my mind, I must decide to do no evil. Then it means in the hurried and sometimes frenzied routine of life, I must maintain enough spiritual presence of mind and discipline to resist temptation. It means I want more than anything else to do good and shun evil. This is the simple prohibition from God written by John in 3 John 11. Do not imitate what is evil. Now, let me ask you to look at that word imitate. Do not imitate what is evil. Imitation is acting under the influence of a model. Imitation is acting under the influence of a model. Children imitate their parents, the way they walk, talk, think, their mannerisms. Children act under the influence of a parental model. Teenagers find great power in imitation and peer pressure. What do you do to be cool? Imitate, imitate, imitate. Whatever our age, we imitate. We act under the influence of a model. The teaching of 3 John 11 is, we are under obligation to be careful what model we imitate. Do not imitate what is evil. Imitate what is good. Think of this in terms of biblical models. And uh, here's a little review of some things we've brought up in recent classes. I should not imitate the hatred of Cain, the disobedience of Saul, the betrayal of Judas, or the arrogance of Diotrephes. But I should imitate the faith of Abraham, the faithfulness of Joseph, the purity of Daniel, and the affection of the Apostle John. I must act under the influence of good role models, not evil. We need to, we need to be aware of the influence of imitation. Guard against the pressure of temptation to evil that may be personified in real people we associate with. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. So I must read the word of God and use the truth to know the difference between good and evil. I must focus on the life of Jesus Christ and be an imitator of him. As Christians, we have voluntarily placed ourselves under obligation. 
to act under the influence of the good example of Jesus Christ and not evil. There is another part of this verse. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Uh, if you have the English Standard Version that I think I have there on the screen, whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. You know, John talks about being of God in many different places. We found this back in 1 John 4, verse 1. We found it in 1 John 5, 18 and 19. In each case, where John uses this phrase, of God, it has to do with one's connection with God, one's alliance with him. In 1 John 4 and verse 1, those who teach God's truth are of God. They're connected with God in what they teach. In 1 John 4 and verse 3, those who will not confess the truth about Jesus show that they are not connected with God, not of God. In 1 John 5, 18 and 19, those truly converted, born of God, are connected with God and disconnected from sin. Those not born of God lie under the sway of the devil. I apologize if you're hearing the uh, people who take care of the lawn here at the complex right outside my window. Now, in regard to the phrase of God in our text in 3 John 11, when I respond to God by imitating what is good and shunning what is evil, I show my connection with God. I give evidence that I am of God. If I imitate evil, if I surrender to peer pressure instead of Christ's example, what do I give evidence of? If I imitate good as God defines good, I give evidence that I am of God. If I do otherwise, the evidence is I have not seen God. I'm not in a good relationship with him. Now, the last part of that is simply the opposite of the first part. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Very important. Now, Diotrephes was doing evil. We know that Diotrephes was doing evil. Let's meet Demetrius, who had a good testimony from all, from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true, John wrote. Here was a faithful man with a good reputation among those who measured behavior by the truth, Gaius, John, and others who used the truth as their standard, commended men like Demetrius. Taking us now to verses 13 and 14. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Third John concludes with essentially the same personal comment we found at the end of Second John. Some things are best said in person, not with pen and ink. John entertained the hope of seeing Gaius shortly. 
Until then, his farewell, peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. And that brings us to the end of 3 John and to the end of this study of the three epistles of John. So, briefly, some takeaways. I see unity as a theme here. John spoke of his unity and love with good people connected by the truth. That ought to describe our relationship with each other, committed to God and the truth of God. Following Christ's example, we are united by love that is based on truth. Love that is based on truth following Christ, that's the foundation of our unity, not opinion or politics. Sending good people on their journey, people who are doing the Lord's work, helping them, praying for them, sending them in a manner worthy of God, supporting fellow workers, that's an ideal for us. People like Diotrephes need to be exposed by the light of truth, no matter how hard that might be. We should be thankful to be a part of a group where such people are not tolerated. Let us be like Gaius and Demetrius. So that concludes our study of the epistles of John. Next, we're going to head over to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, a Sermon on the Mount. We hope you'll watch this channel and stay with us.